Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. I think we're in for a delightful episode tonight. The topic tonight is Astrology as a Tool for Parenting, and our guest tonight is Dr. Laura Tad. Laura and I were talking the other day about using astrology as a tool for parenting, and I found it quite fascinating. I think we're going to have a delightful conversation tonight. As a social scientist, Dr. Laura Tad finds an astrological viewpoint to be an unparalleled tool for helping us heal from our past, to reach our potential, and conduct fulfilling lives. On the whole, her work centers around healing and personal growth rather than on prediction. As a daughter of counterculture clairvoyant parents, astrology was present in Laura's life even as an infant, with her astrology chart hanging above her crib. (laughs) Despite this early exposure, it was not until joining a local women's group in her mid-20s which used astrology to help its members to understand their lives, that her passion for it really took hold. Attending these weekly meetings proved to be a decision as she would soon spend the next 18 months studying astrology with one of the women who led the group. After earning a certificate in psychological astrology as a Professional astrologer, Lara began working as a consulting astrologer. However, she was soon called to broaden the scope of her work and enrolled in graduate school, eventually receiving a Ph.D. in human sciences. Join me in welcoming Dr. Lara Tad to the show. Lara, I'm so glad you chose to join us tonight. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, you know, a lot of people, when they think of astrology, it, it uh, I, I would guess it's very often um, used as a tool for prediction or perhaps to uncover the life purpose or maybe some deeper insights into an individual. But you take it you take it into a kind of a different realm. You take astrology into the role of parenting as a tool. Um, can you kind of give us an outline of, of what that looks like so we have some context to understand what we're talking about tonight? Sure. So there's many, many ways that astrology is used. Some people use it much more predictively. Um, it's used in, there's a whole branch of medical astrology, which during the, uh, Middle Ages was the only kind of astrology the church was permissive of. Um, but so my approach to it is really from a psychological perspective. My training in it is coming from a Jungian archetypal perspective. And so it's that sort of overlaid foundational piece of that, of psychology interwoven with the knowledge, the information that astrology provides us. And what really was my way into this work 
um, was in that number of years ago, I was studying to be a therapist. I was in a master's program and it was really focusing on marriage and family systems form of psychology. And it was in the midst of studying that while I was still studying astrology that I had a sort of aha epiphany moment of understanding how astrology provided really profound insight into the parent and child relationship. And so that's how it's a tool is it's a tool in understanding your relationship with your child. It's a tool in understanding your child's personality characteristics and their natural strengths and weaknesses that show up in the chart. And so how to tailor your parenting in accordance to the being that you are raising. Um, as well as, you know, there's, if you have the birth information, so in casting an astrology chart, I need the time of day, the date, and where on the planet, so time, date, and place is what's used. And when you have that data, you can cast charts for a family going back as many generations as you have the data for. Um, and understanding the family patterns that show up, that they talk about in psychology, but that also show up astrologically. And so there are family narratives, family karma that you, that show up from an astrological perspective that help you to, um, work with it more effectively, whether that's as the parent or from a counselor's perspective. Um, what might take years of counseling someone is very quickly able to be honed in on by integrating an astrological view. Really? So um, have have you yourself gone through a, a, a family tree and, and done the charts on like a couple of generations and noticed the, the patterning? Absolutely, yeah. When I first started studying family systems theory, it's, I was doing that. Um, so in family systems approach and the, that way of working with it, it's sort of like a, a family tree, but they call it a genogram in psychology. And you map out relationships, right? So you see, okay, there's patterns of cutoffs that go back generations or pattern of patterns of enmeshment is how a genogram is used, or the ages that people were when certain events took place, and that that goes back, that has this pattern, to the point that you could start predicting it. Um, you know, that the age somebody was when a parent died, and then for their children, there being a similar major life event at the same age. Um, and so you can just plot astrological data into that, and that's what I did initially, and started seeing how even something as simple as just the sign that the sun was in, because every planet is always somewhere, and they all move at different speeds. But in my family, just looking at three generations, so my siblings, my parents, their siblings, and my grandparents, out of over 20 people, there is not a single person who has a sun in their earth sign. Oh, really? You know, so there's no Taurus, no Virgo, no Capricorn sun in three generations of over 20 people. 
Well, I, you know, when you when you first mentioned astrology for parenting, I didn't. It didn't dawn on me. I guess I'm that the the sibling factor, because I was thinking if you're doing the charts, you're doing yours, your parents, and your grandparents, which would be three and mm-hmm. so five total. But you're t- when you bring in the siblings and your parents' siblings, and and look at that dynamic, and you see a pattern across all of it. Wow, you know the yeah. I I I put a lot of attention on in my own life. I I put on a lot of attention on the the karma of my family dynamic, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. My dad was a World War II vet, and and my mom was uh, uh, worked at uh, took care of the home. And there was a lot of karma. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of karma in my in my uh, upbringing, and I look at it as kind of a baton. That I'm, I mean, my folks did the best they could, and um, they raised us as they saw fit. And and mm-hmm. now I'm a parent, and and I'm in that role. And I I really look at kind of the mechanics of the karma that's playing out. When um and so what I try to do in my holding of the baton is to heal and um like reinforce the positive and and kind of straighten up the the posture if you will of the family dynamic. Because I know my, all my kids are adults, but they're still watching dad and mom. Sure. Um, do you, I mean, if a family moves through uh, karmic tendencies and heals, mm-hmm. could you see that in the charts? I mean, if it was getting thinner and thinner, the, the karmic t- tendencies or propensities. Yeah, well, so there's often, so there are patterns, and then there are people that are outliers in the family that don't fit the pattern as neat and tidy, Um, and they often are coming in to help shake things up, right, depending on how the family responds to the black sheep, um, that that energy can help create shift and change, and one of the things where, you know, part of why I integrate family systems theory with this is, you know, in family systems theory, the idea is that if one person in the family changes, the whole family is altered. You can't have a family with, you know, if you're, if it's extreme, if you have a family that's a member in a family that is an alcoholic and that person gets sober, the entire family is changed. Really? By that one person's changing their behavior. And so you can, I think where you can see things in the charts is there can be opportunities, what's called transits, which is when you're, you compare where things are now to when we were born. And that's when we have opportunities to grow, when we have opportunities, like, oh, if you're going to make this shift, this is the time to do it because you get energy, you have support to make the change and it doesn't mean you can't make it later but it won't it will be much more difficult because the sort of universe is championing you to shift now so you're going to go with the energy or are you going to be fearful of not succeeding and so you don't act 
Um, and so that's more of astrologically where I would see, okay, there's this shift, this break that happens where, um, particularly if it's, you know, repeated um, behavior or dynamics in a family that are unhealthy and somebody breaks that pattern, you know, you could see it in them being an outlier and you could see it in there being something that happens astrologically that affords them the opportunity to really make a change. Now, you're using this term outlier. Can you uh, give us a definition of that? So somebody who doesn't fit the pattern. Oh, okay. Like a rebel? Right? So if you have a family where there's a lot of people who are Aquariuses and Libras and and Gemini and Tauruses, and then suddenly there's a Leo, right? But for like three generations, there's this lack of fire that shows up in the chart. And then you get this outlier. You get somebody who like, you know, even within siblings, maybe you get, you know, a parent, you know, I've seen where parents, maybe the mom is a, a Libra, the father's an Aquarius, they have a Gemini and another Libra, and then they have a Leo, right? And so that, it, that, that Leo child is sort of the outlier. He doesn't fit the pattern in the family. And so he's offering something. It's an energy that that child brings in that is lacking in the dynamic to help shake things up. And so even if somebody doesn't fit, so you see patterns, then when you don't, that too is significant is my point. Wow. I, I, I mean, this is really fascinating stuff. I like it. Um, so, okay, so I'm listening to this episode, and perhaps I'm a parent, and maybe I have mm-hmm. young kids, maybe I have old kids. But there's something in my family dynamic that's uh, perhaps a train wreck generation after generation, alcoholism, spouse abuse, whatever. Um, So what you're saying is even though I might not – so when you look at the charts from generation to generation, Mm -hmm. you can – you can look at kind of the the tendency and the and the um, momentum, if you will, of the family dynamic, and then you as an individual can sway the charts of everybody involved. Well, because there's still free will, so part of how you might I might see chemical dependency in a chart is the planet Neptune and how that planet is affected at the time that somebody was born. So where it is in the sky, was it, you know, visible? If we had a telescope, was it below the horizon? Where, what was its proximity to the moon? Um, and so Neptune as an archetype, he was the god of the sea. And he also represents unconsciousness and avoidant escapist behavior. So I often see a very clear Neptunian aspect in a chart, quality of a chart in somebody who's struggled with addiction, but the others, or avoidant escapist behavior in general. Um, And the other side of that coin is spirituality. Avoidant escapist behavior, addiction, and spirituality are two sides of the same coin in many ways, because it's how are we going to handle the intensity of being human, right? And are we going to do that through avoidant escapist behavior because, oh, my God, it's hard to be on this planet because <laughs> it's so difficult right. at times? Sure. And is your 
remedy for that, avoidant escapist behavior or spiritual devotion and spiritual practice. And so when you see that pattern of families who has a history of avoidant escapist behavior also had the potential for deeply devout spiritual lives. And so there's the ease of which that is gets into personal karma and it's very complex, but you could look at that patterning and say, okay, well, I'm going to work to make the conscious choice that rather than fall into the pattern of the avoidant escapist behavior, I'm going to find a healthy outlet for handling the challenges of being on the planet. And in shifting that, it helps move with things going forward and within the family unit in terms of the more immediate family, if it's a parent who makes that choice, well then how their children are raised is going to be altered. Well, I like that. Well, now some of these attributes from generation to generation are um, perhaps obvious like alcoholism or um, domestic um, violence. But what about um, um, kind of the subtler aspects, like um, maybe a low self-esteem or low sense of worth? Um, sure. Because you can, I mean, you can meet people that don't have very high self-esteem and talk to them, and they have no clue that they have such a low opinion of themselves. And 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 the reason I say this is. Um, if I'm a parent listening and and I'm looking at dynamics in my kids, to do the charge, um, it could really kind of point to some of the subtler um, family traits that totally don't serve um, the family dynamic over time. Because low self-esteem is is like dragging yourself on the bottom of the barrel over and over sure. and over again, right? Well, and so where the chart can be helpful with that is getting very specific as to what is that low self-esteem about, right? Do they not feel worthy? Is it linked with a sense of personal value? Is it linked with, you know, what is the, you know, there's so many ways that that could, the root cause of that could be for that individual, um, they could feel like they're never heard or listened to, and that's linked to the low self-esteem, which might be the parent, it might be school, it may be karmic. So it may not even, there's what I've called soul PTSD, where we have a traumatic response to things, um, like a PTSD response, even if it, there's nothing really that's happened that would lead to that kind of traumatic response because something did happen in a previous incarnation and the soul remembers that. And so we respond with a traumatic response as though it is current time. And so you can have a child who never speaks up and doesn't share their ideas, which is perceived as low self-esteem, and it's because they're convinced that nobody's going to hear them, even if that's not necessarily the environment the parents are creating. Sure. And that that's linked 
to past life karma. That's linked to, in Sanskrit, they call it samskara. It's like this scar on the soul. It's this record groove that we get caught in of, oh, well, nobody's going to believe me if I talk, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, and so where astrology can be so profoundly helpful is it does help get to the specificity of it. So it's not the general swath of, oh, this kid has low self-esteem. It's, okay, what's the root cause of it? Where is it coming from? What is it related to? And then you can more effectively help the child because you're not being using general techniques for a really specific cause. Sure. And and there might not be enough conscious um, clues, if you will. I mean, because you can you can watch behavior, and a lot of times there's no smoking gun or obvious red flag. And so what you're t- what you're saying is instead of approaching it from a general uh, style of treatment, you can kind of drill down in the charts and 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 see the underlying details and then you can do a much more specific um approach towards it is that right yeah yeah i mean and that's why i think when it comes to counseling um it is such an invaluable tool because it does allow for that specificity it allows you to zoom zoom in to Issues in, I mean, even Carl Jung talked about how when he was having difficulty figuring out the root causes of his patient's dynamics, he turned to astrology because that's where he was finding the answers. Years of talk therapy wasn't unpacking it and looking at the chart did. Um, And so that's where I just find it so profoundly valuable because sometimes it can be even the littlest thing. I've worked with a client whose daughter was struggling in school, and it's clear she's a super smart kid. She was maybe 10 or 11, and yet, you know, was not doing well in school and was really unhappy. And I was able to, because she just sort of felt like she didn't fit in, and nobody liked her, and she didn't do well in school, which made her feel bad about herself because her mom's a high-powered attorney, so success is a big deal. And in looking at her chart, I could see that her daughter was part of the challenge for her daughter. She was kind of the smartest kid in the room, and so she wasn't being challenged enough and was part of it, and so she wasn't doing well because she'd space out because she was already understood it and so she was bored but she couldn't at 10 she wasn't able to articulate that um as well as seeing that she needed multi-sensory stimulation to stay focused and that if she had that then she could stay on task and that she because she was so smart she was sort of thinking unpacking what the teacher was saying in a complex way that then had her miss crucial material and just the simple act of her having some multi-sensory stimulation in the classroom, you know, my client said, you know, it revolutionized how her kid is doing in school. Just having something, you know, not like in a, her daughter doesn't have ADD or ADHD, and I take issues with those sort of labels anyway, but 
that just being able to have that when she studied, when she did homework, you know, some kids need complete silence. Other kids need to have music on. They need that ambient noise to focus. And that was the case with this kid. And once they introduced that, she thrived. But it was really specific to her because that's not the formula for every kid. Right. Yeah. You know, some kids need a lot of rigid scheduling and quiet, and they're always going to work in the same place. And that's what keeps them on task. It's different for every child. Um, and so that's, that's part of what I think is so powerful about astrology is you are able to, without knowing much about this kid at all, I could quickly sort of assess the situation for her mom. Um, and then it wasn't a big thing to change really, right? It was some simple shifts that changed and then, it's a ripple effect, right? So if the daughter's suddenly doing better in school, then she's happier, then the family's happier because there's not sort of an upset kid at home every day, and so the parents are happier, and they're not fighting as much because they're both in better moods because their kid isn't suffering. It just ripples out. Right. Well, you know, it, it's a curious thing. When you talk about the um, how these uh, karmic topics, so to speak, can span mm-hmm. generations. Um, I, I'm going to deviate out of the parental pond, sure. <laughs> and and the the courtship of the man and the woman that will eventually become the mom and the dad to perpetuate a karmic line. Um, mm-hmm. It's like. Uh, in the courtship, they inherently are attracted to similar karmic propensities or karmic family dynamics? Um, I don't know that it's certainly not a conscious thing. Sure. Um, I think that we end up in patterns uh, without trying. I know that that's absolutely been the case for me in the relationships I have had. Um, I understand. To to the point that it's like, it makes me laugh because I'm going like, again, really? You have the same degree moon as the last three men I dated? Really? Because how is that? That's not even statistically possible. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we absolutely, I think that it's layered because we can have, we have karma with specific individuals. Right, so there's that layer of the karma. Um, And we have karma that we are working on that that individual helps us work on. So they can be, you know, and it sort of like trigger our karmic work, which, you know, when I work with clients and there's tension in the charts, when I compare the two charts, you want some tension in charts between the two people. Because if there's no tension, there's no growth. And if there's no growth, there's no longevity. And you don't want it to be all tension because that gets exhausting and frustrating and is not fun. Um, But if there isn't any tension or if it's lacking a lot of tension, um, then there's no growth. So why are you together? Sure. Um, 
And so in terms of the karma, yeah, we, uh, we are unconsciously, we are attracted to people who help us work on our karma, which inevitably then shows up in the family patterning. Right. Wow. I like that. Well, um, so if I'm a listener to the show tonight and there's, and I'm a parent and I've got a, uh, perhaps a teenage child that is nothing but a handful and, uh, and communication is like try to toss, you know, it's like ping pong balls in a hurricane. It's, it's chaotic and, and there's no, yeah. I mean, how does, how does the chart come into play with, uh, like a situation like that, even though the, the parent child, um, dynamic might be isolated or there might mm-hmm. be a, a, a feud or sorts. Um, how can the, how can a chart help that dynamic? So it, there's a number of ways of that. So in some instances, I would look at, again, this idea of transit, which is comparing where planets are now to when the child was born. And what that indicates is sort of what's up for them currently. Or for any of us, transits are you know comparing and one and moment in time to when we were born, and that can indicate a timeline. So I have a client who I worked with a number of years ago when her now 22 year old, but when she was 15, her daughter was really acting out. You know the whole sort of climbing out of her bedroom window after curfew sort of narrative, sure. and you know, getting involved with drugs and, um, you know, really just having a hard time. And then consequently, of course, fighting with her mom constantly because her mom was catching her and calling her on her behavior. And I could see astrologically why her daughter was acting out so much right then. And that it was, that there was, in comparing where things were at that time to when she was born, that it was, she was really in a phase where she was going to push buttons and she was fighting for a sense of personal power really extremely. And so there were two, one of the things that was helpful for the mom to know that was for me to give a timeline for it and say, okay, yeah, she's really acting out and she's going to get through it because she's those other parts in her chart that indicated her being a really together kid, ultimately, a really together adult, but that she was in a phase where she was feeling profoundly disempowered, and so it was manifesting in her behavior, but that it was about a year long, year, year and a half period of time. And in some ways, that could feel like forever as a parent of, oh, my God, this is going to be who my kid is for the next year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. um, but it also meant that that isn't who she would always be, that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, that it was about getting her through that year and a half where she was going to push buttons left and right and helping her find this way of being both personally empowered and within limits and age-appropriate and containing her in certain ways that also gave her power. And so working with, you know, the daughter ended up going into a rehab facility where it was very much about that. It was about her taking back her personal power in parts of her life where she didn't feel empowered. 
and now she's thriving. Um, and so that can be part, you know, so I can be looking at it from that perspective um, of the timing of it. When is it going to get easier? When it, why, what is the, again, the sort of what's underlying the reasons for the behavior. Um, and that then helping the parent to decide how to move forward um, in having more data, right, as to what was happening. And um, knowing, feeling, and then the parent feeling more empowered about how to go forward. Well, now, um, so in a dynamic like that, um, the, the parent has the, I mean, we've, we've talked about how these topics are uh, um, across several generations. The mm-hmm. parents got some of this element in their chart. Mm-hmm. So, so the dynamic, I mean, so often we see the dynamic as the parent and the teenager, and the teenager's the problem. Um, could the parent look at their own chart and say, well, hell, I'm not giving the kid any place to have a sense of personal power. I'm making all their choices for them. I'm not, you know, they have no, they can't even choose what color their their clothes are or whatever. I mean, they're... they're sure. Absolutely. So that's that, another part of the story that you could approach things as saying, okay, well, um, where is the parent in attempt to be a supportive parent? Have they maybe gone too far in one direction? Um, and, you know, and unresolved stuff from their childhood, right? Because that's part of what happens with children and parent dynamics as well is that and that's we're seeing the patterns doing those things sort of the genogram that I talked about is like, so what was happening for my client when she was 15? Sure. Because that's part of what's being, was being played out with her daughter. Of, huh, okay, that's some of the story. And part of the mom's reaction is unresolved stuff from that time. So it gets really layered and complicated. Um, but I think the other way, particularly with teenagers, is I love working with teenagers. They're some of my favorite clients. <laughs> um, and That'll make you, know, you popular. Giving, you know, a parent gifting a child an astrology reading, if they're open to it. Um, you know, that kids often, having an adult that is not, um, attached to things in the same way that a parent is, that like the only stake I have in my client is them being a happy, healthy person. I'm not attached to like what they choose to do with their life or whether they go to college or not. I have no attachment to that. Um, and so there can be an openness of that I found when working with teenagers where they maybe have not felt heard by a parent because there's so much family dynamics. There's so much family drama. I was working with a young boy, he's 16, and his parents had sent him to military school. And he's this very sweet, very sensitive kid who's not okay in military school um, because it's so the antithesis of his personality. And... 
um, you know, and he'd been acting out, and so that's where they sent him. But when he would tell his parents that it was violent and there were drugs and he was scared, they didn't believe him. And his mom started to believe him, and then it was leading to so many arguments with his parents that he stopped talking about it, sure. and he shut down because he didn't want to cause tension between his parents. And so when I was working with him, I was able to hear him and hear his story and work with him to say, it is not your responsibility to make sure your folks don't fight. That is on them. They are the adults. You need to tell them what's going on. Um, and, you know, that's where it can be really helpful with teenagers to have a third party sometimes because the third party doesn't have the same investment um, and isn't part of the family dynamic. And so I could be objective of hearing him and believing him and supporting him to come up with ways of how to communicate to his parents so that, you know, he got what he needed. Right. Um, and so that can be part of, you know, the parent-child dynamic, you know, the, the kid needs a voice too. Sure. Well, you know, the uh, uh, parent-child dynamic can um, carry over into the adult child. Um, Absolutely. It does not end when you turn 18. Sure. Just, I mean, the holidays and, and how many people grieve getting together as a family. Um, <laughs> um, so if... If you're a parent and you're and you have an adult child, there's really not. I mean, uh, uh, running a chart on your child could mm -hmm. give, could give you um, information about. Uh, well, I'm I'm kind of wondering about the. Uh, I guess I don't know if ethics would be the word. So you're a parent and say yeah. you have an estranged adult child that doesn't want to talk to you. And I've heard that many times on this show. Yeah. Um, if you ran a chart on your child and, and even though they're an adult, um, that, that would give you insights as to how to heal. Cause what I like about, I mean, the uh, healing, is um, such a core part of becoming whole as a person. Um, yeah. A lot of times the adult child doesn't want to have any interaction with the parents. Right. Um, so to do a chart for your child w could give you um, information to kind of break the stigma? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the ethics, I mean, it's different. Astro astrologers are differ have differing opinions about casting the chart of somebody who doesn't know the chart is being cast, right? So if sure. you were a parent with an adult child and you wanted me to look at your kid's chart, but I didn't have their permission, right? Right, um, and it's for me, I it's really on a case-by-case -case basis is how I've had to resolve it for myself because I understand the ethical concerns. Um, it's where I'm okay. It, I don't... 
I look at it only in relation to helping the client. I don't tell the parent what their kid needs when they're an adult. Right. I, um, it's when, if I don't have permission to look at the chart, I would do it within the context of how the parent can understand them, how the parent can, you know, understand, okay, well, there's this tension that's going on or your kid's struggling, but I wouldn't do a full-on natal interpretation of their child's chart who is an adult if I didn't have permission. Um, because it's all going to be through the filter and through the lens of the parent who has an issue with the kid. Sure. Or the, right? And so there's a lot of presumptions that are made. Um, and so it would really be within the context of their relationship with them if their adult child was in crisis and I could see, okay, well, this is what's going on and give them another six months and things are going to get easier, I would do it in that context. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do. It's a fine line for me of walking um, in that respect because, you know, sometimes the parent's the one who's really out of line. Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. Right? Yeah. And the kids totally warranted for not wanting to speak <laughs> to their grown parents. Sure. Right? And so that's where I, I'm careful with that. Right. Um, or, or the parents controlling and the parents yeah. using yep. the chart to pin the child down even farther. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's and, and so I, I am careful of how I approach that with clients is looking at grown children um, where I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I tend to be a little less um, vigilant is the other way around within a child wanting to understand their parents um, as an adult child wanting to, you know, when there's continued tension with a parent. Um, and I still wouldn't do the full natal reading, but under helping somebody to understand why their parents have behaved the way they have so that the blaming of parents that is very common, you know, or the shaming or saying, I'm like this because you did or didn't do X right. for yeah. me, um, that helping people to really see their parents as flawed human beings because we all are. Sure. Um, that that's the other way that I work, you know, and so that can often open compassion instead of feeling like, God, they still do this or can't believe that they, you know, saying like, it's who they are. Like you can accept them or you can be angry at them, but it shows up in their chart. You know, I have a client whose mom is incredibly indecisive and indirect and she's a single, my client's a single mom and her mother often helps her with her children but never sort of tells her in a timely manner if she's able to help. And it drives my client crazy because she just sort of feels like it's more stress to ask her to help because she doesn't, you know, it takes so long to get a, def a definitive answer. Sure. Um, and I was able to look at her mom's chart and say, like, yeah, that's just who she is. Like, she's an indirect person. It's not personal. She's not trying to be mean. She's not doing it to upset you. She's not even, it's not even about you. It's, she's just an indirect person. 
So you either accept the fact that she will never be very direct with you and have her watch your kids anyway, or you find somebody else to watch them. And those are your choices because it's not about you. It's not about your dynamic even. It's about her personality and how you choose to respond to it. Um, and that can be really liberating for people. Right. Well, um, so when we look, when we, um, when we look at this dynamic then, mm -hmm. use, is uh, astrology as a tool for parenting becoming more and more common? It's not all that common yet. Um, it's, there's a couple books out there that are very general, right? That'll be like, oh, well, if you have a boy who's a Taurus versus a girl who's a Taurus. Um, but that's not what astrology is. Astrology is mapping the location of every planet in the sky from the perspective of where you were born on the planet the minute you were born. So it's much more complex than just what's called sun signs. Um, and, you know, there's some people doing it. I have, I know a couple other astrologers that do things with parent dynamics or with children. Um, but it's not a large part of the field. Um, but I find it endlessly fascinating that there's these patterns that show up um, and how, you know, that coupled with how much therapist would benefit from integrating it into counseling. That presumptions you would make as a therapist about a family dynamic are very altered once you bring in the astrological perspective. And again, that like real specificity, that super nuanced perspective um, where, you know, if you've got multiple children in a family and how, you know, you don't ever want to do what's called differential parenting, which is when you radically parent a child, two children differently, right? Where you have sort of the golden boy and then the, the bad kid. Sure. Right? Like you don't want to ever do that. But each child needs to be parented differently. Each child has their own unique strengths and weaknesses and gifts. And even when there is family karma and family narrative, they're still individuals. And really tailoring how they're parented to that kid. And with the family, sometimes one parent is better equipped to parent one kid, the other parent's better equipped to parent the other. And it's not even about who's a better parent. It's like, oh, well, the dynamics between those beings. One is, like, better set up astrologically to have clear communication. Okay, well, they're going to be more successful, not because they're a better parent, but because of the way that the astrology plays out. And that that's where, you know, it becomes this incredibly valuable tool because it helps you understand the individual child's needs and how that meshes with your own skill set as a person on the planet. Right. Or it doesn't mesh. Right. Right. Um, and then how to work with that where there are areas that are difficult and how to 
sort of stack the deck as much as you can. Right. Well, so, I mean, how would you describe your ideal client then? I mean, as a, as a listener to the show, if, if I'm sitting here listening to this, how do I measure my own situation to see if it's a good fit for what you offer? Um, so long as people are willing to grow, that works for me. <laughs> That's pretty open. Yeah. I mean, my ideal client is somebody who's open to a dialogue. Who My challenge with clients are clients who want me to fix things for them, who don't want to do the work, right? So people who want to do the work themselves with advice and insight and um, are willing to be vulnerable um, and... Yeah, I mean, I think when I have clients that I find are a challenge to work with, it's when they want me to do the work for them or they just want me to sort of tell them what their life's going to be like. And we have free will. Yes, astrology informs us a lot. It tells us a lot of things. But um, it doesn't tell us how we respond. Right. So even if there's an event happening astrologically, and I can see, like with this, young girl I was talking about who was acting out and, you know, pushing boundaries. And so I could see that that's what was going on. And I could see that with structure and, you know, and help to gain her power back, she could ultimately really do well. She still had to, there was still the free will. There was still the choice to act on that. Or the mom could have not done anything. Mom could have said, you know, I don't think that's the right thing to do, right? Um, there's um, astrology tells us a lot, but we still get to choose how we respond. So events can happen, but how we choose to respond to them is within our free will. And so when people are open to that piece of it, open to sort of saying, okay, here's the opportunity, it's up to you to, you know, Grab the baton. Sure. Um, well, well, it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. like, uh, um, uh, so say a parent doesn't want to actually do the work. It's like being in fifth grade and just wanting, wanting to be advanced to sixth grade just because. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's who you become through the process. That that brings the growth individually. I mean, you got to have some skin in the game, so to speak. You got to show up for yourself and for the the dynamic of the relationships. Absolutely, and I think you know. So that's where for me, it's like clients who are willing to who want are open to growing, are open to maybe having been wrong at times. No judgment. We all make mistakes, um, but you know that's a big part of growth is admitting where you could have done it differently and maybe in a more beneficial way. And it's not about shame and it's not about judgment, but it's about learning. Um, and, you know, so if people are open to that, you know, I think a lot is possible with astrology. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I found that that to be super helpful for people. I have a client who has 
two teenage boys and they are 180 degrees different from each other and it's true astrologically everything in their chart is like exactly opposite <laughs> um I mean, to the, like to a degree i don't know that i've seen before um and so when working with her it part of it was like yeah so your boys are never going to be best friends like that you have to let that go that will not be who these kids are and so instead it's about her developing a relationship with each of them separately and holding on to this ideal that, oh, they'll be each other's best friends for the rest of their lives. They weren't that way at toddlers, so they're not going to be that way in their 50s. Yeah. Um, it's just part of who these boys are. They are potentially profound teachers for each other because they are each other's shadow. Sure. Right? In psychology. Yeah. So the potential for growth that these boys can be for each other is enormous. And so it's sort of like, okay, just getting them to the point where, like, they're mature enough that they want to do that kind of work, right? But um, for the mom, it's like, yeah, if she can let go of her attachment to, like, what do I have to do to get them to get along? It's not going to happen. Um and so, like, even just those little things, it's like, and just her knowing that took off so much weight because she kept feeling like she was failing as a mom that her boys weren't best friends. Right. And so, yeah, they're not going to be. That's okay. They don't need to be best friends. Right. Well, let's, let's talk about your platform now. And, um, so do you work uh, in person, one-on-one, -on -one, or do you work on through the Internet, through Skype? Both. Yeah, I work in person. I live outside of Atlanta, um, Georgia, and so I work in person. I work remotely over the phone or Skype. I've got, you know, mostly I do Skype with my clients that are outside of the U.S., um, and as well as teaching and lecturing. Um, and, you know, I was just, I was up in Chicago, um, in May speaking at a conference. So yeah, I speak and teach and work with clients. <clears throat> um, usually one on one, occasionally with couples. I'll work with both people in the, you know, on the call or in the room. Um, and that I've found, you know, in that, um, yeah, it's not usually been more than two people at a time. It's a lot of information, so that usually everybody would sort of go into overwhelm if I was looking at, you know, a whole family at once, <clears throat> talking to all of them. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's mostly how I've worked. I'm in the process. I've done some writing. There's a mag astrology Magazine, The Mountain Astrologer, I've written for them a few times. Um, that's a pretty big one. It's like Whole Foods and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and have a ebook on my website, um, a little sort of, or e-booklet, it's like 20 pages, um, <clears throat> that talks about parenting and astrology. And I'm in the process of um, expanding that into a full-size book as well. Uh, but for the most part, my work is counseling and teaching. 
So, um, how would our listeners get a hold of you, uh, like a web website, or if you want to yep. give out an email? Yeah. So my website is Mythic Sky. So M Y T H I C S K Y dot com. So as in like Myth Mythic Sky dot com. And there's a contact page there to reach me. Um, but you could also email me just at laura at mythicsky.com. Well, very nice. This uh, this has been a, a, a delightful conversation. I, I find it fascinating to see how um, the, the uh, specifics of the chart can span generations and some of the dynamics behind that. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. So, oh, great. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty fun stuff to play with. <laughs> well, uh, you know, an hour can go by pretty fast. Do you have any um, closing thoughts uh, as far as uh, what the topic's been tonight and share your closing thoughts with us? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think just to have people really – explore this, um, that it, it's such a profound tool. I think that it's one of the things that had me very hooked on astrology um, a number of years ago now, uh, that when I looked at my parents' relationship, I looked at my parents' astrology together, and my parents divorced when I was eight. So my cognitive memory of their marriage is not a happy one. Um, and yet I looked at their astrology and they both told me that they had at one point been very much in love. I don't remember that cognitively, but I looked at it astrologically and there was no way around it. Of course they were. And it was so healing to be able to look at that as an adult and go, oh, okay, that is true. That was part of their story. And just because it isn't still, you know, that that that's part of it, just having that information was so such a healing process for me, and so that's where I think astrology can help you, helping us to understand whether it's parent-child relationships or things within ourselves where we see ourselves repeating patterns that we cognitively know are not in our best interest, and yet we keep doing them. And it shows up in the chart. And so it really helps alleviate the shame and blame. You know, I have a client who, you know, we look at her chart with what was going on currently. And she, to me, she said how I say it for myself. You know, she's like, I don't feel crazy anymore. Right. That the chart will show like, yeah, it's a really hard time. You're not just failing to handle things well. It's really intense, so you're doing good because you're reaching out for help. And that in itself is so profoundly helpful to people. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my piece. It's like it just it, – it's an awesome tool for self-understanding, which then ultimately helps with the parent-child relationship. Right. Well – I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. It's been such a pleasure talking about this topic. I've really enjoyed it. Yes, thank you. It was great. We've been talking with Dr. Laura Tad, and the topic tonight was 
Astrology is a tool for parenting. You know, there's there's so many different healing modalities, and 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 for every single individual, there's going to be those that resonate with you and those that don't. And I love bringing episodes like this one tonight to you, so you have more choices, so you have new approaches to the struggles in your life. Life's short. It's worth taking the time to improve yourself, your own self, as well as your relationship with others. So um, the, since you've listened to this episode, you're taking the steps to give yourself more choices. I'm your host, Les Jensen. As always, it's a pleasure sharing this time with you. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast. You can raise your own personal power with Personal Power Fundamentals Home Study Course at NewHumanLiving.com. Thanks for listening.